What a promise. I'll never forsake you. Amen. Living for God is not based upon feelings because your feelings will lie to you. Living for God is based upon the facts of His Word. And if God said it, it's established. It's forever settled in heaven. I'm thankful that He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother today. Amen. Put your hands together and give Him praise. Amen. As you remain standing, I want to invite this morning Brother Jamie Crumb to this pulpit. I want him to come and open his heart. And we're going to break the bread of life together. Amen. Put your hands together and welcome Brother Jamie this morning. Why don't you give a hand clap to God? Oh, come on. Let's give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a deep, deep undercurrent of the Holy Ghost that is here today. What a precious, I mean, it just feels good in the house of God, doesn't it? Hallelujah. As you're turning to your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 9, while you're turning, I want to give great honor to my pastor. What a great man of God, what a great visionary, what a great leader. I am thankful. I count it. I count it a privilege and a joy to serve along with him to this great and wonderful church. What a precious people that you are. I want you to know I love each and every one of you. Give great honor to all of our ministry, all of our leaders. I want to give honor to my wife. She's not able to be here. She's uh, in the Life Center teaching. She's my, my biggest fan and my biggest pain. She's a sweet woman of God, and I love her dearly. I really feel incomplete without her in here. Uh, she kind of helps keep me grounded, keep me directed when I'm, when I'm tired and I'm wore out and just feel like throwing it in and giving up. She, she helps me. I want to give her honor this morning. I really, I really don't know. Uh, had everything all great mapped out and where I was going to go. And this morning, God has just been dealing with me. So we're just going to kind of go and see where God takes us. Is that okay? I trust that you trust me enough to. Hopefully flow with the Holy Ghost this morning. And Brother Jeremy, the scriptures that I gave you the other day, if you can get them ready, I know we'll start out with there. We'll just kind of see where we go. But I want to talk to us just for a minute from a burden that's on my heart. And I just can't shake. It's something near and dear to me alone. Let's read. Um, I told you wrong. I apologize. 2 Samuel chapter 4. We'll get to 9 here in just a little bit. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 4. Please forgive me. Verse, uh, 
chapter 4 and verse 4. It says, And Jonathan's sons, uh, Saul's son, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul. And Jonathan out of Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and he became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. I'm going to read another scripture real fast. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 3 and 4 says, And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Mashar, the son of Amili. Um, I mispronounced that, I'm sorry. Amiel in Lodabar. You can close your Bibles. Put them to the side, and if you would, lift your hands to heaven. I want to talk to us this morning about being handicapped from my past. God, I need your help this morning. Uh, I feel a deep undergirding of the Spirit of God in this place. Lord, help us this morning. God, speak to our hearts and talk to us and touch us. Lord, help me, Lord, to deliver what you've given to me and to say what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. In the name of Jesus, I love you. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you were being seated this morning. We are going to talk a few minutes on being handicapped for my praise. The trouble with, and I say this, I say this lightly, I don't mean it rudely, but the burden that I feel, the trouble that we as, as preachers run into is you can ask any man that has ever stood behind a pulpit. We can never, ever get across the pulpit the way that it came to us. You can never, we can never expound enough. We could never articulate good enough to, to help you or us to understand what's boiling in our spirits. So if I try to get, if I get off a little bit, if I, you can hear my voice is leaving and I'm going to try my best to flow in the Holy Ghost and try to give what God has given me and what He has dealt with me about. The second, uh, the, uh, chapter 9 of the second book of Samuel talks in detail of these few scriptures of a man named Mephibosheth. He was the grandson of the first anointed king of Israel. He was the son of Jonathan. If you read, and there's a lot to go into it, which I don't have the time, but it, it, it correlates with the covenant back in 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you if you care to study that out about the covenant that Samuel, I mean um that uh, Jonathan had with, with David of the love and the connection that they had there. 
So as David is look as he is asking, is there anybody left of Saul's family that I can show the kindness of God to? He is he is honoring the commitment and the covenant that he had with Jonathan. We've all got something in our lives, each and every one of us together. We're all the same. We all have a handicap. We all have what we would call a failure in our life. And a failure is defined of a mission of occurrence or performance, especially failing to perform a duty or an expected task. They said, it is said that life's greatest failure is not to try. Some people say, I don't want to try because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to open up because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to go through that again because I've been through that and I was hurt. So we stop trying. And in that is a failure. Our past failures do a couple of things. They, they promote a lack of faith. And they sow doubt unto us to try and make us weary so that we will never try again. If you're honest with yourself and you're honest with me, we all have failures in life to the point to where we have failed so greatly that we just don't want to do anything else. We've all got to that, that point. It doesn't matter what it is that we, we, we have failed. Every one of us in this room, we could go along the list and we could just, in this room alone, there's, there's, with all of us, there's, there's, there's great things in our lives that we, we've, we don't want to talk about their failures. It could have been a failure at a job. It could have been a failure of our end to hold up a bargain. Or, or we, you, you just go through the list. You, you just imagine what you, what you will. And there's, there's failures in, in, in each and every one of us. And, 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 and we have to deal with those. But the problem with the problem with the failures of our past, the problem with our past is that it doesn't always seem to stay in our past, does it? It, 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 it keeps coming up, and, and, and when it does that, we start dwelling on the things of our past situations and past regrets, and we spend a lot of time really in self-pity and worrying about what others are going to think about us. I should probably get a good witness right there. We worry about what people think about us because of our problems and because of our scenarios, our situations, and but we're not meant to live in the past. The, the problem with living in the past is it'll cripple us and cause a handicap. And we'll become so handicapped because of our past that we won't do anything for God. So let's look at the story of Mephibosheth. And 2 Samuel says, Jonathan, Saul's son, what I just read, had a problem. Uh, had a son that was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came to Saul. And as Jonathan I out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. Now she's running because she's heard the news, that news traveled fast of Saul and Jonathan, and she is in fear of what will come, what will come to her and the heirs and the lineage of Saul, and rightfully so. So she takes up Mephibosheth, and she runs, and she leaves, and now we, we find ourselves over back in, in chapter 9 when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David. He fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. 
And he answered, Behold thy servant. Verse 13 said, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on his feet. I know I'm bouncing around a little bit right there, and I'm going to get to, to what we're, where we're going. The story of Mephibosheth is really actually kind of a, a bad story. You, you were looking at a guy that was dealt some cards that, that, that were bad. Uh, he's the grandson to the first king of Israel, so rightfully he is the heir to the throne. And he was five years old on, when he found out on the same day his grandfather, the king, and his father were killed by the Philistines on Mount Gilboa all in one day at one time. And the news travels fast and that Saul and Jonathan were killed and the nurse picks him up and she leaves. And, you know, the story, he falls and becomes crippled for the rest of his life. And now he is bound to live a life of circumstance due from someone else's actions. He is handicapped from the hand of somebody else, from something that was not his fault at all. Now, we don't know all the, the, story, the details about Mephibosheth. He's only mentioned in a couple of places in the Bible and doesn't go into great detail about his life. But we know from whatever time that happened that he grows up and he is in a place called Lodabar. 2 Samuel verse 5 of chapter 9 says, Then David sent and fetched him out of the house from Lodabar. Lodabar is defined as meant, it's a Hebrew and is meant without order, it's disorderly. It's, there's no leader, no government. There's, it's rebellious and no shepherd without pasture, without speech. It's barren. It's a place that you're not going to voluntarily just go to and want to build a house, Brother Britt. It's a, it's a place that you're not going to go and visit. It's a place that, that you, it, it, it's actually even defined from those days as a ghetto. It's, it's literally defined as a ghetto. Meaning a place that no one wants to be at. Nobody wants to go. Lodabar is a place that you go to be forgotten. Lodabar is a place that you go to get away from everything. It's actually maybe even a place of hiding. To get away from because of the failure. To get away from because of the past. To get away from because of the handicap. I want to just go to a place to where I'm not known. I want to go to a place to where I'm not seen. I'm going to Lodabar. He, Mephibosheth is crippled, so it would, it would make him an outcast and maybe perhaps means that he would beg, steal, or borrow for his living. We don't know all of that for sure, but... But being an outcast, being, being lame on his feet, there's only so much that he can do and with his handicap. We're talking about a man that was one time destined for greatness and he is now in a wilderness where he does not belong. He's in a place because of his handicap where he was never meant to be. He was meant to be in the palace. He was destined for great things, if you will, at a young age. He had 
things that were going to happen in his life and because of circumstance and this handicap that he has now, he leaves and retreats to a place called Lodabar. How, how many of us at one time or another felt like we were meant to do great things in God. We knew that there was a destined thing on our life and we knew for sure that we were going to be used in this way or another but because of a handicap, because of something in our past that we, we didn't feel like we were worthy enough to be used. Now all of a sudden we, we find ourselves, David is... Is, is, is looking for the man. He's looking for that person. He's, he's seeking someone out that he can show God's kindness to. And that's Mephibosheth. And, and he sends for Mephibosheth. He sends Ziba to go and to get him. The Bible says that he went to fetch him. Uh, to get him out of that place. And, 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 and I can imagine as they go in and, and they find. And they, they, they're, looking, they're looking for Mephibosheth. And they find him and... And I, I can imagine as Mephibosheth is maybe perhaps in a tent or something. And he's, he's, he's there And when these messengers come and looking for him. And they're, I'm Mephibosheth. And he's, yes, yes, I am. That's, that's, that's me. And, 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 and he's sitting there and he's just looking up at them. And they're, and they're telling him what's going on back at the king's palace. Hey, Hey, the king has called for thee. The king has summoned thee. And, and Mephibosheth's mind has got to start running. It's got to start running. It's, it's, it, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, what in the world would the king want with me? Why? I'm a handicapped person. I can't do anything for him. I don't have any money. I don't have any way to work. I don't have, I can't teach and I, I can't preach and I can't do this and I can't do that. And he starts spinning excuses after excuses. Of the things that maybe perhaps he was once destined to do. But because of this handicap now that he cannot see himself doing. Maybe it runs through his head that ah, they're, here, they're, they're here to kill me. After all, they've, they've done killed even, even Saul's concubine's sons. They, they've, they're, they're, they've wiped out. The, the lineage has just about been wiped out. And he's, he's got to be thinking in his head that, well, maybe they're here to kill me too. What am I going to do if I do go back to the palace? What When they parade me through the palace and they see all these people see me and, and all the dignitaries and all the great... Preachers and oracles and all the pulpiteers see me. What are they going to think when I go through the palace when somebody's strolling me or packing me or whatever they're doing? They're going to sneer at me. They're going to say, I have no place in the king's presence with this handicap that I have. I hope you're picking up on where I'm going. I'm not talking about a handicap in the physical so much so is that I'm talking about of our spirit and in the spirit. A handicap makes me unserviced for the fit of the uh, unfit for the service of the kingdom. And, and though one of these one day I might have been called to do this great thing, and I might have thought that I would be in this position by this age, my handicap has 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 took care of all of that. But but what if, what if, what if a handicap 
just, just, just think if they were there to kill. He thought they were there to kill him. What if it was his handicap that spared his life? Now they were going to take out any big strong man of war, any, any man that we would have thought would have, been, would have been the guy that would go and help and do and work and see and he's going to be in the spotlight and all that. They took all of them out, but maybe, just maybe, perhaps the handicap is what spared his life. I know when we go through things in life, I, I know when things happen to us in life, we don't like it and we, we'll, we'll even see sometimes cry a little bit and whine a little bit. But what if that handicap is what is attracting God to us? I tell you, God is attracted to problems. God is attracted to pain. God is attracted to things that just maybe you don't think is right, but God is attracted to that. What if it is the handicap in my life that God says, I can work with that. This other one over here that is so high and lifted up, I, that, that seems perfect, I can't work with that. But that one person that is hurt, that one person that is handicapped, that one person, I can work with that. It may be our handicap, maybe our problem, maybe it is that it brings us closer to God. I've said it a hundred times over. You'll never be closer to God than when you're in your greatest pain. You'll never be any closer to God than when problems arise and troubles happen and when you think you're not worthy. You'll never be any closer to God than in those moments because it's in those moments that you cry out to God. It's in those moments that you, it drives us to our knees. It's in those moments of our handicap and our pain that causes us to fast and pray and struggle and reach for God. And they, they, bring, they bring Mephibosheth back to the palace now. And in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 8, it says he bows himself as he, as he goes into the king and he sees David. It says he bowed himself and says, What is thy servant? That thou shouldest look upon me such as a dead dog as I am. And I'm talking to someone. I'm talking to some people. I'm talking to a body of people. It's not just one. But it's a body of people that knows that, that one day you were supposed to be used by God. That, that you feel that you were in the, supposed to be in the service of the king. But every time that you start to hear the voice of the king. That you start to hear the decree of the king to come. That that thing from your past, that handicap from your past starts coming up and reminds you of who you are and what you've done and the things that you've done and the places that you've been. And I know I'm not alone when suddenly you, you, you're in a church service here and, and you're trying to flow in the Holy Ghost and things are happening and, and God's speaking to you and you got this, oh yeah, God, I'm going to go tell them. God, yeah, you showed me this and I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to give this word. God, I'm going to do this thing. And before you make a few steps toward them, that thing is in your past that thing that's the handicap to you hits you right square in the face and then you stop uh, and you start taking a few steps backwards and you uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know about that so much come on am I the only one that's done that come on if you'll be honest with me here this morning if you'll be honest with me this morning we've all been there 
I can't tell you how many times. Just I can't tell you at the times that I've that I've been over over by this by this door here, and and God lay a word on my mind for somebody, and the foot the, the front is full, and boy I, I feel it, and it overcomes me, and it and, and I'll check it just to make sure because I never randomly go up to anybody, and I'll check that, and God it'll hit me again, and I'll oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah I go and I'll get a few steps, and then it just like. Because I've got this thing, I've got this handicap in my past. Because I've got something that everybody may know about. And then I'm in my mind, I'm going, God, what if? What if I go to them and they don't receive that word? What if I go to them and they don't want to hear what I have to say because of this thing? And I fight it and I know each and every one of us fight it. I know we do because of a handicap, because of something in our past. And we don't go forward and we don't do what God called us to do. We, you're looking at somebody that is that, that is wore the shoes. I, I speak from experience here today. When I tell you, you're looking at somebody that has went through years and years of, of, of exactly what I'm talking about. Been through that scenario more times than I can possibly count. And I've, I've walked and I've lived in the fear and been intimidated by what I would think others think and let it talk me out of the things of God. I'm reaching for somebody here this morning that, that all knows too familiar the voice of God. You, you know what the voice of God is. You know how to feel after God. And you know what that feels like. And, and you know that you're familiar with His voice. And, but then when you feel that nudge in the Spirit to move and to go forward and to speak or to pray for somebody or do something for somebody, that condemnation sets in on us and, and it sets in like a weight. And then all of a sudden you think the entire church turns and is looking at you and focused on you and you alone. Have anybody out there that knows that feeling? That knows what it feels like to think the entire church is looking at you. Oh, God spoke to me some time ago when I, I've argued. Has anybody ever argued with God? Because of what you felt like God was calling you to do and what you felt like God was wanting you to do. And, and you argue with God and God, God just, just, just will sit down and He'll... He has his ways of dealing with us. He says, stop deed, stop dwelling on your past. The past won't do anything but keep you locked up in a prison of condemnation and isolation. You cannot move forward by looking backwards. That is a fact. If you let your condemnation control you, then it will control your destiny, and it will shape your very future in God. If every time you feel God wanting to use you for something, but all you can do is think of what I've done and what my handicap is, you'll never move forward in God. It's just the enemy trying to distract you, and I've come to a point, I've come to a place to where in my life, I'm, I'm, I'm 45 years of age and, and there's no telling how many years I've wasted by living and dealing with 
with all of that until I've come to a point to where I've got in my mind and settled and I've said, well, it's, it's distracted me from all these years. I can tell you the same thing. That thing that's running through your mind right now, that thing that you're thinking about right now is nothing but a distraction from the enemy to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Because the fact of the matter is, each and every one of us are destined to do great things in God. We have a purpose in God. We have this thing that we're supposed to do. But when we let the handicap of our past, when we let it just keep rising up and rising up, it just destroys everything that we're supposed to do. Nobody, if you're thinking that you're not worthy enough to do this thing, I I can tell you you're not alone because nobody is worthy to do the calling of God. Our our deeds, our works, everything that we've done is not good enough. It's never been good enough for God's mercy and His grace. But you've got to think, you've got to, you've got to get yourself to a point just because I've, I've been broken doesn't mean that God cannot use me. Just because I did that thing does not mean that makes me who I am. It, all it takes is to be put on the potter's wheel one more time. And as the word says, he will wrought a good work in me. I'm here to speak to somebody here today that that knows you have a calling of God on your life, that feels that great pull of God saying, I should have did this, and I should have done that. Maybe it is you're just so hungry for God and the deep things of God that, that, that you think because of your failures, you're disqualified from being used from God. That's, that's, that's wrong. If you read through the Bible, you would think that all the great prophets and all the great people in the Bible, you would think they had it all together, but it was just the complete opposite. God is attracted to people that need Him. I'm closing. If you'll come to the music and if you'll stand. If you'll think about what God has called you to do, it's greater than the failure of our life. That thing that God wants you to do, that hunger that's in your heart right now, that thing that you want to do in God is far greater than the failure that is in our life. The fact is that no one has failed too far for God to pick up. Nobody has enough trash and tragedy in their past that God does not love you. He loves each and every one of us and wants to help us. If you'll make your way to the front, I'm beginning to close. If, if you'll make your way and lift your hands to God and if you'll pray for God to use me, no matter what I've got in my past, no, no matter what it is that I've got, no matter what it is that, that has held me back all of these years, no matter... I would if you would raise your voice to God and ask God to use you. I would if you would raise your hands to God and surrender in obedience and let that thing, whatever it is that's in your past, if you'll just leave it at the altar today.